Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I am your host, D.B. Spitzer, and to my virtual right is my other host, or your other host, Farmer Dave. Farmer Dave, how the heck is it going? I am well, and I am virtually right about everything. All right. Well, that's 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 not good. reality right about everything, but virtually right. All right. Well, that's good to hear. I myself am doing well as well. And uh, hey, we had a we had an episode come out last week from uh, some stuff that happened about two weeks ago, uh, from a festival from three weeks ago, and that is the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in CthulhuCon. Uh, we were doing some stuff more on the CthulhuCon end of things uh, last week, this uh, episode, and 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 week before shenanigans. But hey, uh, you want to talk about that? Well, so, yes, I do. Thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. So we talked. We were in a panel. Yeah. And we were included in this panel was uh, sure everybody gets a chance to mispronounce names on this show. And we were talking about Lovecraft in pop culture. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, we were. We were. I believe the uh, the official name of it, from Starro to the Marvel Universe. Shugmagora. Shugmagora. From, from Starro to Shugmagora. The Cthulhu Mythos, or the Cthulhu, yeah, uh, the Cthulhu Mythos in pop culture. And that's just pretty much what it was, is Cthulhu Mythos in pop culture. And we talked about a lot of different things, and I threw out some, like, uh, I don't know, justifications earlier like let's go with this but not with that and those a lot of that stuff early on i threw out and if you see the official hp lovecraft thing it's a lot more fine-tuned a lot of my bad jokes that didn't land very well or don't make sense if you can't see his facial expressions were uh <laughs> but it's all there it's 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 all there in uh, last week's episode with no video accompaniment but I'll, I'll probably throw the, the the whole video up onto uh, Patreon at some point in time in the future when I throw all those other episodes. Yeah, that was fun, Dave. Dave, I I, I, I think I've I've been talking for three minutes. That's okay. Okay, cool. People 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 pay to hear your voice. I know, I know. I guess this is this is the part in uh, the Dave's Dave's corner of the podcast where DB talks forever. <laughs> but yeah, no, I had a lot of fun talking to Peter and talking to Andrew and talking to Scott and um, who else was there that I, I am I missing anyone else? You, you were there too. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, fun. Was talk- 
we all talked about stuff and everyone kind of talked about the things that they're good at talking about and i had a lot of fun i don't know if you had a lot of fun i i, I assume I really as much enjoyed it. It, it it was a good time yeah i had a lot of fun and yeah uh yeah no it's something i definitely want to do more of in the future it was originally kind of the concept for this show but then i was like the lovecraft easing and and peter was like oh yeah, no, there needs to be more shows like this because, yeah, I, I my, my first concept is like, I'm going to have, and then I, I didn't have the technology to do it. And then by the time we, but you know what? We can slowly change and, and, and change into new tools like a show. I was thinking a Marvel mutant, but that's besides the point. Oh, yeah. I guess we could be cool like a Marvel mutant. Yes. Unless it's Cyclops. Cyclops is never cool. Uh, I would say I get to be Nightcrawler. <laughs> My friends and I, well, we used to video game, you know, the big one in the box. Oh, yeah. I always got to be Nightcrawler. Yeah, I would generally go with Colossus, or if was was the biggest kid there, I would go with Wolverine, depending on which Marvel versus Capcom, or whichever. uh, Marvel (laughs) X-Men. Whichever uh, stand-up arcade beat-em-up you're talking about. Chubb, Burmouth. Uh, played uh, played played as him uh, quite a bit. I, I was like, oh wow, there's there's really cool tentacle attacks and bite attacks with this guy and eye attacks. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about uh, some serpent bearded, uh, a bunch of places where mummies go, and uh, you're talking to a guy who I know likes to skulk around cemetery is it a cemetery or no it's a graveyard i can't remember which is which because one is attached to a church and one is not attached to a church i believe cemeteries are attached to a church okay so this would be a graveyard because it's not attached to a church technically because stark runs past it so (laughs) and it's not a church anymore i don't know if it was ever attached to the church but it is uh loan for uh great uh it's 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 lone for cemetery even though i think it is tech but yeah it's 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 a, a pioneer graveyard uh in southeast portland uh, i've taken photos of it uh adam uh Bolivar, i think he may live near it or just likes to go there a lot because it is a cool cool graveyard to photograph i'll say for sure but pacific northwest has a lot of really cool pioneer graveyards that i have to say are super fun to photograph in and really neat to, I don't know, skulk around in on a cloudy day. Anyway. We have quite a bit in the Pacific Northwest. Quite a bit, quite a bit. So speaking of skulking, let's buy it this guy. Beatis. By Biotis? Yeah, let's say let's let's say Biotis. Okay. Well, I like Biotis because it makes me think that the other option is to sell Otis. Aha, gotcha. Uh, well, you know, of course, it was uh, created by Robert Block, mm-hmm. but he does have a Marvel comic book uh, credit. Oh. So it is way better. So 
Flock wrote um, The Shambler from the Stars mm-hmm. back in, well, it was published in 1935. I'm not quite sure. I, he probably wrote it the year before. Yeah. But it was adapted into a copy of Journey into Mystery Whoa. in 1973. Huh. So, uh, version in, I've seen it, but as near as I can tell from what I've heard, it was rather faithful. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. What, what else can you tell us about? I, I know something like he's some sort of thing in a castle, but. So, so here's the, one of the things about Biotis yeah. is, and why I think he's actually a really good character uh-huh. or, or a good monster to throw at people if you're doing like Call Cthulhu, basically because recognize, but they don't know a lot about it. Mm-hmm. And so when you were to uh, the cast, that was actually, so there's Shambler from the Stars is his first appearance. And then, I believe it was, yeah, uh, Robert Price, excuse me, Robert Price, The Beard of Biatis, which I, I believe takes place in a cat. And that was actually in uh, 95, I believe that was published. And you can actually find one of my favorite Chaosium name, uh, books is, uh, anthologies is uh, Made in Goatwood. And uh, Ramsey Kemp, he actually wrote, I believe, in the 70s. And that's probably the one you're thinking about, too, was for it set in the camp, okay. in a castle. So that's sort of kind of interesting how it comes from Robert Block yeah. and his relationship with Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. And then goes to uh, Ramsey Campbell and then goes to um, oh, uh, Price. Okay. So there's three pretty strong stories where he's the main character. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. And, and the last of the two. So he really is sort of an American creature with, with Block, but the last two actually take place in in, uh, in England. Okay. All right. Now, how, how would you describe uh, this, 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 uh, this space monster? I would describe him as the platypus of the outer gods. Really? He's got kind of a crab and kind of bat and kind of a beard thing going on, but not not the Pacific Northwest, you know, hipster kind of beard. Mm-hmm. I, I always imagine, I'm not sure if that's what Block meant, but it kind of like a tentacles. Okay, cool, cool. All right. Well, that's, that's uh, yeah, no, no, it makes me think how, I don't know, how, how Lovecraft describes various great old ones or <laughs> uh, outer gods and such as, as, as combinations of this and that and uh, um, amalgamations of, of, of uh, various bestial creatures. And yeah, no, no, it makes sense that this, this one here is very much this, this kind of, I don't know. That, that Ramsey Campbell chose, I, I believe it's Campbell who, who gave, uh, I keep wanting to say Gath and Athoa, that gave Bathias, Bathias, uh, their, their, their form and their, their, their structure and kind of like, this is, this is what this is about, kind of, but I don't know. I might be wrong on that. Yes, and there is also, I think, one thing that sort of Block hints to, and we've talked a little bit about it, but not Mm -hmm. really, is servitors. So Shambler from the the stars has a creature that I'm not sure Block named it, 
but Chaosium did were the space vampires, which are one of the scariest creatures in the Cthulhu mythos, mm-hmm. and which are basically they're invisible until they start draining blood. Yeah, and then you can see them as tentacle creatures, mm-hmm. and that they're because you can see the 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 veins when it's full of blood. Yeah, so. Um, we really don't know that much about Biotis, you know, whether it's, is it an outer God or, or what, but that, or how it got imprisoned, mm-hmm. but it sort of, you know, it sends out these, uh, these, these uh, space vampires. And that's a, another interesting thing about it is that you get, you know, Biotis is you basically contact it with oh uh, contact it by touching its statue yeah this hyper realistic statue uh and so it's imprisoned apparently and that again i don't i think th- that block only wrote one story yeah with biotis maybe i mean it maybe brought it up and then we've got you know uh oh you know the uh the beard of Biotis, and then you know, then the, uh, oh, uh, the room in the castle. Mm-hmm. So we've only got really three stories that talk about it yeah. as a main character. Okay. And, and and I'm sure there's probably people that have written, you know, stories on the line. But there's there's three, and I hate to use this word, but there's three sort of canon stories, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that kind of just gives people um a license to sort of play with it oh definitely it's it's, we got more sort of definition of you know of of cthulhu but we can just sort of assume that it got trapped when cthulhu got trapped and that's it that's where we sort of ramsey you know campbell and uh, august derelith yeah you know we have um you know people later sort of bring on this this war in the heavens mm-hmm. yeah and so so that's the interesting thing is that I, I think that in Campbell's it sort of alluded that it's you know he's in England but you know by artist, if he's summoned by a statue he could be anywhere in the universe mm-hmm. he doesn't have to be trapped on the earth we don't really you know Lovecraft you know doesn't really use the term elder gods mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When Lovecraft uses, like, Call Cthulhu, the term Elder God is used one at the end, but yeah. it's just sort of generic. It's not talking about sort of this this race of positive creatures fighting the negative creatures that Derleth comes up with. Yeah. Uh, in fact, if you read, there's basically, Call Cthulhu and Mo- Mountains of Madness are the two sort of what I think of as kind of the theology books. Yeah. Uh, stories. You know, and it doesn't say other gods. You know, uh, I mean, it, not in the way we think of it in Mountains of Madness. It says it was the, the Cthulhu spawn was trapped by the elder things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so maybe it was the elder things that, that petrified uh, Biotis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I think it's uh, definitely like an elder thing. Or like Yithians, that kind of stuff. That that uh, that whole war could have had something to do with it. But yeah, 
Because from what I understand, it's kind of like Beatus has been uh, stuck there for a while. Yes. So, so yeah, so there's definitely, and that's why it makes it such a good game creature, that people know of it. Mm-hmm. it it's freaky. You can describe and make people roll to lose their sanity, but most people don't know a lot about Beatus. Sure, yeah. Including not being sure how to pronounce his name. Definitely, definitely. So would the uh, Brian Lumley, August Derleth, uh, Elder God be uh, Celetus? <laughs> or Confed? <laughs> What's that? The, the, the Brian Lumley, like the silver version or the diamond version of Cthulhu. Uh-huh. I can never pronounce it. Confed yeah, yeah, or yeah, something. yeah, 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 yeah. But I was, I was just like, you know, sort of. Biotis would be Celetus. Such a dumb joke. That's such a dumb joke. I'm going to leave it in. All right. So after this, uh, we are going to be talking to Adam. Dave's going to be talking to Adam. And then after that, Dave and I are going to be talking about a dusty dusty old building. I don't mean my house. Uh, But we're going to be talking about the Cabot Museum. So stick around, evil clowns. Um, Something, something, something... See you when you come back from town? Yeah, yeah, that works, that works. All right, we'll see you then, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the mid-roll. It's me, D.B. Spitzer, just like I say every time. And, hey, help support the show by going to the show notes and checking out the sponsors that help support the show. Support the people who support the show and keep the show going. Or you can PayPal, buy some T-shirts, anything in the show notes that helps support the show. We highly recommend. And also guests, we have links there so you can find out how to track down Adam's book. So I want to say, go to the show notes. Uh, We've got the Taza chocolates. Oh my goodness. Very, very good. I think they are amazing. You should definitely check them out. Uh, We've also got psychedelic water, uh, legal psychedelics in a in a in a in a can. Uh, it's it's drinkable. So yeah, check that out. And also, don't forget Glary guitars, Glary uh, musical instruments in general. Check them out. And here we go. This is the part where I, Farmer Dave, talk to one of our guests, and we are really lucky that we have uh, Adam Boliviar, and he, uh, Adam, could you mind telling us, uh, our, our audience, a little bit about uh, who you are and about this exciting project that's coming out in a little bit? Yeah, well, so I am, well, I'm kind of a jack of all trades because I do a lot of things. I am, I'm a writer, a poet, uh, and a marionettist. I, I make marionettes, so uh, and I perform puppet shows. So I kind of, I, I guess I'm mostly known as being a poet, uh, actually. But this particular book that I'm coming out with next month is a is a collection of short stories. So I'm trying to break into the fiction market. I guess you could say. Yeah, in fact, I I, I have um, several poetry books that I've gotten, which you have uh, contributed poems. So yeah, when I heard that you had a new book, I, I was a little surprised that it was a prose book. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I have always written um, prose. I've written short stories before, um, some of which are published, some of which aren't. Um, and like I said, I wrote, I write marionette plays too. So mm. I've kind of a, I'm kind of a, I'm a pretty versatile writer. So the the poetry thing sort of took off, and I became known for it primarily because I. Uh, I was in all these uh, publications, and I, I had a book of poetry published a few years ago called The Lay of Old Hex from Hippocampus Press, and I won some poetry awards. So, um, but, I, but I always wanted to continue writing fiction, so I thought maybe now that I have a little bit of, of a reputation in the poetry world, I can parlay that a little bit into, into uh, fiction writing and see if I can get any success with that, too. Sure, br- branch out. Yeah. Because I don't want to do the same thing forever, too. Sure, that makes sense. So tell us a little bit about your new book. Okay, well, it's called The Ettenfell of Beacon Hill. Um, and it's about an occult detective named uh, John Drake. Uh, and it takes place in, in Boston in the 1920s. Um, mm. So it's very gothic. It's very Baroque. It's pretty Lovecraftian, too, although I don't like... I, can, I don't like actually reference things like from the Lovecraft world. Like I don't like Cthulhu's not in it, or you know, it's not. It doesn't take place in Arkham or anything. But if you read it, if you're a Lovecraft fan, I think you'd like it because it's very similar to like Lovecraft styles, written in a very old-fashioned language, and it takes place, you know, in that time period. And in, it's, and it's in Boston too. So yeah, Lovecraftian tropes, like you know, Massachusetts, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's even a story with ghouls in it, and. There's uh, you know, there's a, it's all, it's all about uh, you know, supernatural horror, eldritch horror, you could say, but um, awesome. yeah, it, 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 so um, the 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 character, the detective, Drake, he's a he's a Boston Brahmin, so he's from the upper crust, but uh, he's shunned by the others of his cast because uh, he deals in these sort of like demonic activities, and everyone kind of thinks he's a he's a weirdo. So they don't really invite him to all the you know the upper crust parties. But but then whenever like they find that their mansion is haunted or something, you know who do they turn to, right? Because that that happens a lot in New England. It's a pretty haunted place, and all these yeah. like decayed bloodlines and everything. But um, and and um and Drake has a a weapon to help him. It's like a it's a, a rune graven sword that was passed Ooh. down passed down from his ancestors all the way from Jack the Giant Killer. So oh, okay. um, so it's kind of like a magic sword. So it kind of taps into that tradition of like um, it's a little bit like it, it, like the like the the Elric books with the you know the magic rune sword to fight demons. Awesome, and that's coming out on October fifteenth. That's right, October fifteenth. So just about a month from now. Although and, and um, probably a little closer to when we actually broadcast. That's but, right. Uh, yeah, or where, a couple of days after that you broadcast yeah. it. Yeah. Where where could our readers get a copy? Uh, well, so it's coming out from uh, a publisher called uh, Jack and Apes Press, <laughs> which you gotta love the name. <laughs> At least I do, because uh, I'm all about Jack Tales, but we'll get into that later. Um, or you can just get it on Amazon. Uh, it'll be on Amazon. So if you just search for the the Ettenfell of Beacon Hill, or oh. or search for my name Adam Bolivar, you'll find it. And, and we'll have li- we'll have links in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I also have a website. It's just AdamBolivar.com. Uh, you can find it there too. 
So speaking of the, these jacktails, what exactly is a jacktail? All right. So um, so jacktails is an old uh, British storytelling tradition that goes way, way back. It goes back to the Middle Ages. Um, it's basically about sort of a trickster uh, named Jack, who's sort of a poor, like raggedy farm boy who doesn't have anything, but he he always he gets by by his wits and he outwits like giants and witches and you know the devil or even death himself in one of the one of the stories and ends up like ends up on top at the end. But I, I mean, everyone's heard of Jack and the Beanstalk. Of course, that that was that was one of them. That's kind of the only one that anyone knows about. And well, well, I was always thinking, I always wondered why there were so many jacks in nursery rhymes, like you know, uh, Jack be nimble, Jack in the the beanstalk. Is that what is that where the Jack from the nursery rhymes comes from? Yeah, exactly. There's, uh, I mean, if hundreds of years ago, Jack was kind of used for almost everything. There's like. A lot of jacks. There's Jack of Lantern, Jack of, Jack Frost, Jack Horner, you know, uh, Jack in the Box, Jack in the Green. Like you know, I actually have a list. There's like hundreds of jacks, but but there there were stories told about Jack, and they basically all were forgotten, like everywhere else except um, in this little isolated region of the the Appalachian Mountains. Um, like settlers brought them over in the 1700s and passed down the stories orally and uh, mm. they were rediscovered in the 1930s by a folklorist named Richard Chase um, okay. and he wrote a book about them that's that's kind of how I found out found out about them and they've been fascinating me ever since like there seems to be like no end to like what you can discover about them excellent excellent and was there maybe one or uh, two things maybe stories that you really liked or, or something you could share with us oh um yeah I let me see. Uh, well, one of my favorite stories is called Jack and the Heifer Hide. Jack and the Heifer Hide. It's like uh, basically Jack has got. Well, I don't think I have time to tell the entire story, <laughs> but uh, I mean Jack in the story he's got two brothers named Will and Tom who mistreat him, and uh, they each Will and Tom each have a cow, and Jack has got a heifer who dies. So Jack like hollows out the heifer hide and brings it into town and like tries to get people to, to buy it, but nobody wants to buy it. So finally he like kind of pushes his way into this old lady's house and like she hides him when her husband comes home, but um, the husband hears him and he's, he's really drunk and Jack like pretends like the heifer hide is talking and tells him all these secrets about like where the food is hidden and stuff. And like the old man ends up buying the heifer hide from him for like a thousand dollars. And then, <laughs> like, Jack comes home with all this money, and so the his brothers try to kill their cows, and like, but it doesn't work because they're like all buzzing around with flies. No one wants to buy them, so they decide to kill Jack, and they uh, put him in put him in a sack and like take him down to the river. But they argue about who's gonna throw him in, and uh, like uh, while they go off, uh, uh, some somebody uh, an old man comes by and sees the bag wriggling around and like asks like who's in there and Jack says oh the angels are gonna come take me to heaven They're like go away and the old man's like well why you let me go in there I'm really old so the old man gets in the sack in place of Jack and then the brothers come back and throw the sack into the river <laughs> and uh, and then Jack comes back and is like you know where'd you <laughs> and he, oh the old man had given Jack his herd of sheep 
and Jack shows up with a herd of sheep and the brother's like where'd you get that oh it's in the river you know I, there's lots of sheep down there so the brothers like persuade jack to like put him inside sacks themselves and and he throws them in the river and they drown and die too so, so a, a, a true trickster tale yeah he's kind of like he's he's a lot like loki in a way he's i, I mean an argument could be made he's kind of like a, a distant descendant of the same kind of norse tradition I was thinking kind of kind of like Raven too, the you know the the Raven myth. Oh yeah, sure, sure. He's he's definitely one of the like the trickster archetype. But I was I the the last descendant of the family that told this tales lived on a place called Beach Mountain in North Carolina. His name was Ray Hicks, and he could go up to his porch and he'd tell you these stories endlessly until he died in 2003. Mm. And just two months ago, or actually just last month, I made a pilgrimage out there to North Carolina. I actually went to that house, like, way up in the mountain in Appalachians. But unfortunately, it had burned down just two months earlier, so... Ooh. <laughs> that was... It, it almost sounds like there's, like, almost like a, there's a, a, a real trickster spirit involved here. I know. It's like, I got so close, but then it, like, burned down right before I got there, so... But, I don't know, it was still worth the trip. It's a really beautiful place. It's really isolated. It's like it's like being in another time. Like, you're just up in the mountains, and all is around you is, like, mist, and it's really quiet. And yeah, it's... Uh, uh, and and I guess there's 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 actually sort of a, a psychophysical thing where there's certain people can't feel it, but certain people I think you're like me, I have it really deeply where if I see something or I'm someplace special, there's like this connection to history that just you, you almost can't explain it to those people that don't have it, how it's like you you're wrapped up and you're almost in the arms of history. Yeah, oh, totally. I, I really felt that there. That's, I mean, even though the house was burned down, I could, like, feel, like, you know, I could almost see, like, the ghosts on the porch, like, you know, where the porch used to be. I actually dug through, like, the wreckage, and I brought back, like, you know, a piece of an old coffee cup and some nails and stuff, just, just like, and I, I found an old mason jar, you know, <laughs> kind of oh, silly, but, but it's kind of, I know, it's kind of silly, but it's like, I feel like I have a little, my own little pieces of the jacktails. Yeah, your own little connection. Now, I, I we could probably talk about you know, the Jack Tales all day, but I'm really interested in that other aspect of your life, uh, as, as marionettes. Yeah, so um, back at, so I'm from Boston originally. I live in Portland, Oregon now, but um, about like 25 years ago in Boston, I had a friend uh, named Dave. He goes by Dave Yondernod now. Um, he had an idea to do a marionette show and uh, asked me to write it. It was called The House That Jack Built. <laughs> and okay. it was Jack again. He, it was about a scarecrow named Jack Straw who sell, sells his soul to, the, to a traveling salesman named Solomon Scratch um, so he could come to life. And then he comes back every year and asks for more and more. And, you know, obviously with uh, predictably uh, – terrible results he ends up like you know burning in hell essentially but but dave made dave made the marionettes uh he made solomon scratch out of rabbit bones he's a really cool puppet it's like a, a rabbit skull for a head and like his limbs were all made of rabbit bones got like a top hat top hat um but the show went over pretty well so um we later moved to berkeley california and got a troupe together called the Scratch Brothers Presto Digital Phantasmagoria and did mm. more shows. So they kept getting bigger and bigger. And the last show we did in Berkeley was called The Snow Witch. And uh, that was basically our peak. Like, 
we did like six sold out shows in this gallery and like people were like lined up outside trying to get in like it's a pretty big uh pretty big event but this was like in 1998 and there's not any record of it on the internet unfortunately <laughs> so yeah it's you have to take my word for it but but then um one of the people in the we all kind of broke up after that and went our separate ways but one of the people in the troupe, uh, this guy named Jack Birchall, he moved to Portland, Oregon, and persuaded me to come up to, this is in 2003, and we did more shows, like, in a new troupe. But uh, Jack and I, uh, his name is just, his name, by coincidence, is Jack. <laughs> but um, we kind of had creative differences, so we kind of parted ways. But I made mm-hmm. my own little stage and uh, I do small, smaller shows kind of with some friends of mine, like around Portland. The, Ooh, the latest do, you, do you make your own puppets? I do. Now I can make my own puppets. Like I've got seven marionettes. Like I carve the pieces out of wood and, uh, you know, joint them together and make costumes for them and like string them up. And there's pictures of them on my website. If you go to adaboulevard.com, you can see them. The my, my most recent show is called the 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 history of Jack O' Lantern, and I did a uh, made a play about um, Stingy Jack, who's like the that's the the Halloween story. Like yeah. he basically outwits the devil so many times that the devil has to promise that he doesn't won't take him to hell. But then Jack is so wicked he can't get into heaven either, so he has to wander the the darkness you know for all eternity. But the devil takes pity on him and gives him like a coal of eternally glowing coal of hellfire and he puts it in a lantern to guide him to the darkness and that's what a jack-o'-lantern is like yeah. you'll see him out in the darkness sometimes but don't follow him because he'll lead you to his destruction lead you to your destruction will, will you be doing a, such a timely uh uh you know topic will you be doing any uh, halloween shows um uh, i would actually I, um, unfortunately, because of COVID, it's oh, yeah, my yeah. my uh, puppet show. <laughs> my puppet shows have been curtailed. Yeah. Uh, I haven't really done any since the epidemic. I did one at a Fourth of July party last July. There was kind of this respite when, like, people thought that the epidemic was ending and people sort of started <laughs> coming out of their holes. But I think we've kind of all gone back underground. So. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll be back soon. I'm not, yeah, I'm not hopeful that I'm going to be doing a show this year, but hopefully next year. Well, definitely let us know. We'll make sure we'll get the word out. Now, uh, just uh, again, uh, where will people be able to get your new book? Okay, so um, you can get it at uh, jackandapespress.com. Uh, and or you can just go to my website at com and you can find it there. Okay. And it's also on Amazon, of course, like everything. And we will make sure that we have links to that. Adam, thank you so much that um, for being on the show. And uh, you know, I really would like to to get you again, especially uh, when you start uh, being able to do uh, shows again. Yeah, I'll I'll let you know when uh, the puppet the puppetry starts up again, <laughs> and uh, maybe you can you can help spread the word. It's there; they'll be in the Portland area. So if anyone else who's listening is in that area, sometimes I do shows in Salem too. Okay, so so uh, the greater Portland Salem area. Yeah, the yeah <laughs> the the. Anyway, the Portland specific. Salem Metroplex. <laughs> sure, the I five corridor. Yeah. Thank you so much.
Yeah, thank you very much. It was nice talking to you. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show, how to support our guests, and thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe, and remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show. back and we talked to adam and he was wearing a suit and a hat but you couldn't see it so yes because <laughs> he always wears a suit and hat yes he does he that's what i always re- remember him before i really knew him he was the he was the snazzy dresser the dapper gentleman yes the well manicured man yeah 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 all right um so we're talking about the Cabot Museum on D&D and D&D, which isn't always about D&D. Sometimes it's about COC or various other RPGs. Not the real Cabot Museum, by the way. Not the real Cabot Museum. there really is a Cabot Museum like in Arizona somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And and as far as I know, I I think it's a rather modern museum. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, do people come up and say, where's your mummies? Yeah, yeah. Where's where's the where's the mummies at? Where's uh, where's that uh one that uh, has a brain still in it? And if you don't know what we're talking about, check out. I believe it's out of eons. Out of the eons. Yeah. So check out. So out of... so before we get too far in oh, this, yeah. I I think that we could maybe have to sort of address uh the writing mm-hmm. of out of the eons. Yeah. So most people call this a Lovecraft story, mm-hmm. but it, it definitely was a ghost written or a revision with Hazelhead. Yeah. And I think most modern. So a lot of times, a lot of the stories that Lovecraft rewrote or revised or ghost wrote or co-wrote mm-hmm. originally, they were published under Lovecraft. Yeah. Um, Again, we can point our fingers at Derelith, but, you know, it's sold. It's sold under Lovecraft's name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now most anthologies say it's, you know, Lovecraft and Hazelhead. Yeah. We don't, to best of my knowledge, know how much of this story was Lovecraft and mm-hmm. how much of it was, was Hazel. Yeah. Um, it's also sort of interesting that um, Lovecraft, who is often thought of as... A, a misanthrope uh, or possibly even a misogynist mm-hmm. he had a really solid good relationship and friendship and working relationship with this older woman yeah um, but that's that's a side that's for another mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we and at least one short story um, Lovecraft had said uh, 
old that um, he wrote 90% of it. Yeah. So we don't know about this one, but I have a feeling that he wrote a good portion of it. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, did you want to sort of um, start or... Well, okay, so what I know about the Cabot Museum is it is a place where there are mummies. And that's the concept I wanted to go with, with D&D on D&D. What do you do with a hall of mummies besides having one mummy that has a, a, a brain that still functions and, uh, I don't know, the, the imprint, the, the, the last thing it saw, which was a beast so terrible that it, 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 can, it can petrify people, but then it slowly fades and then it only frightens them. So, uh, one of the things, and and that's the thing that everybody sort of remembers, because, you know, that's the sort of the, the, that's the, oh my gosh moment at the end, that this brain is still alive and Mm -hmm. functioning, and it makes it a good story. Yeah. But there's a little throwaway thing that I'm pretty sure Lovecraft wrote. Yeah. um, Where it talks about a visitor to the Cavett Museum. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was this, the, um... Oh, Swami. Swami. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who, it turns out, if you read carefully and mm-hmm. then you read Beyond the Silver Key... Sure. It's actually Randolph Carter, which is Lovecraft's sort of author avatar, mm-hmm. disguised. He's been deformed into this, or trapped in this alien race body. Yeah. So he has this mask and a beard. So... You know, especially if if your players are thinking, you know, that the clue is going to be this mummy or this, you know, whatever. And then, no, the clue or the key point is a fellow visitor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It also, it also, if you're doing like a 30s mm-hmm. or even a modern sort of, it's a great place to work out of. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think uh, one thing I would definitely use the Cabot Museum for is a red herring. If anyone knows anything about the Cthulhu Mythos, uh, you could go with, uh, I always want to call it, I, uh, Ozo, oh man, the Treader of Dust. You know, someone who, you know, people are just like turning into like piles of ashes and little little footprints and people are like, oh, it's going to be this mummy thing, but it's something else totally different. Um, or, you know, uh, you have someone who is like, uh, you use it for like a center of people who worship Naralethotep or something like that. Uh, some some sect of Naralethotep or uh, uh, Egyptian Atlantean uh, version of Yog sothoth that starts with an I or something. But anyway, uh, just I don't know. Those those are, it'd be an interesting backdrop, like a mummy museum, like a, a, a mummy, a mummy building, a building full of mummies. So, so I was in a building full of mummies once. Oh, cool. Well, so it was, and this is um, probably about fifteen years now, maybe even more. But there was a tour. This was I was in the. Um, 
the uh, L.A. Science Museum. Mm -hmm. And there was a tour, and it actually traveled all across the country, including, I'm pretty sure, in Portland at OMSI, was this mummy expedition. So, uh, you know, my youngest daughter, I, and some of my friends, we all drove up. And it's, it was very interesting. Um, and you could use, I was thinking something like that, instead of maybe a, a museum, but maybe a traveling tour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, basically, that there are mummification is just the, the body that survives. And it doesn't have to be a human body mm-hmm. with and dry. So there's natural mummification, and there are, you know, Egyptian and bomb-type mummification. And there are mummies found in every continent, including Antarctica. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they're human mummies, but there have yeah. been found bodies of penguins or something that have been dehydrated. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a human. Mm-hmm. And it's a very... I don't, I mean, you know, we talk about things to have fun on this show. I don't want to, because these were honest-to-goodness mummified bodies that you saw. But it was a very sort of eerie but sort of awe-inspiring that these bodies, in some cases, were hundreds, if not thousands of years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's sort of, if you can, especially... If you're doing a mood piece game like, you know, Call of Cthulhu, if you can sort of set that, this is what it's like to to be in this room. And, you know, we, of course, you think mummies, of course, South America. Mm-hmm. You think of mummies, you know, Egypt. Yeah. But so the the sort of centerpiece of this was this Hungarian mummies. Mm-hmm. And it was an entire family, and I can't remember exactly, but there was something. They were all buried in a crypt, and the things weren't sealed right or something. So the entire family went through mummification, Mm -hmm. you know. And so maybe, you know, change things around instead of a a South American mummy or an Egyptian mummy. It's more like an elite, you know, it's the, the, the spirits of the Hungarian family but maybe they were mythos fighters Ooh. and maybe their spirits are you know guiding them and people think that you know it's a monster that's attacking uh, you know the city is the mummies but no you destroy the mummies you destroy you know your 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 spirit ghost allies that are trying to help you from beyond or, or you've lost them as you you know, try to track the you know the shambler from beyond the stars or the the whatever monster that kind of has the same M.O. as a mummy. Very cool, very cool. I just had an idea, just popped into my head right this very moment. If we wanted to do this for D&D, because this is D&D on D&D, I was thinking, what if we had bog mummies that were somehow imbued with, I don't know, the power of the Dark or something? And that's that's one of these things that has been pulled out of a bog and is now on display with various other types of mummies for some sort of wizard college, some sort of academic place has like all these various types of mummies. But they don't know that just some 
just like gross, gross, dirty bog mummy that, you know, they just like happen to come across, happen to be imbued with all this like dark magic and has like various spell abilities that may have been much, much, much more powerful at some point in time, but now is just has kind of like a aura of fearfulness. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I was thinking too, you know, it ha- where I would set the Cabot Museum in like a D&D game. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we are we have this modern concept, but maybe it's like a wizard has collected things. Or a curiosity or- museum in like a, uh, like a major metropolitan area, something like the Muta Museum in Philadelphia, but mm-hmm. in like uh, Waterdeep. You know, medical oddities and stuff like that. Wizardly things on display. Thou shalt believe or thou shalt not. A goat with five heads that is not abyssinal. (laughs) The, The other thing I was thinking is maybe it's like, you know, the current lord, you know, grandfather, you know, had collected all these things so they conquered across the continent. And... Now he wants to maybe get something out of it, but his soldiers keep on getting killed. Ooh. So, you know, he makes a deal with the adventure party. You know, if you clear this out, you can have half the treasures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. That's, yeah, those those are some cool ideas. Those are some very cool ideas. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, you could even go with the original adventure, though. Of I mean, I know we're talking about the Cabot Museum, but... You could go with the original adventure with the scroll of Thaw or whatever it was and, you know, have the priest who goes down to, like, banish Gathanathoa or make Gathanathoa no longer powerful. You know, just whatever the scroll was supposed to do, I can't remember. But, hey, it's your game. You can do what you want. Uh, and, and, you know, just have that be some sort of, like, centerpiece or something that happened in the last, like, thousand years and it's still this myth and no one knows what happens to that hero and then say that hero then winds up in, uh, you know, a local curiosity shop and it's clutched in its hands as the scroll that was supposed to banish whatever evil it was. And but that evil petrified or like crispified or whatever somehow mummified the hero of the past. And you could even have your party play out that, you know, have have your party like die on purpose. There's no way they're going to win. This is like you send first level adventurers up against some eldritch being, some sort of dragon god thing. Who knows? Uh, And then you have your next party, also first-level characters. Clear, clear out these rats. Clear, clear the rats out of this this uh, this old wizard's uh, shop. Clear the clear the the mega spider, the the big spiders, out of the out of the mummy exhibit. You know, and they run across something. Maybe the 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 character who's like an NPC, who's like you know, kind of a jerk, gets petrified or uh, a fright spell cast upon him who knows and and then you now know you know learn something about it find the scroll and then be like oh wow it's got a map on it there's this thing that used to be here in this ancient civilization and we got to go do something about it i mean i i really feel like it could be like you know the very beginning of your D adventure is you know out of eons by H.P. Lovecraft and 
uh, hazel head. So, you know. Yeah, and maybe even, maybe do a D and D game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then next week, do a Call of Cthulhu game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, do a D and D or, or or you know a Conan game, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and then you know, the the, the players you know find you know two thousand years later here. Sure. The, um, the other thing I was thinking for D and D is that you know, the 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 Squirrel of Tyog or however it's pronounced. Sure. That might be the big prize. Yeah. Maybe it's got like five or six you know next level spells that for the 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 you know the magic ca- carrier characters mm-hmm. or so maybe that's the big big uh, you know uh, reward in the you know, gold and magic weapons for everybody else mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's pretty cool that's pretty cool or it could be like spells from a specific wizard's spell book and you know that maybe that wizard's like well I need something to stick into this scroll case. So they just grab some spells that they had laying around, roll that up, switch it out with the the, the, the actual banishment, the super high-level banishment, maybe even like a, a wish scroll or something, and slams that shut, hands it off to the alkalite and says, go do your thing, and, you know, whatever's in the scroll is leading you to the next step of, you know, go to the wizard college named after these pages that you found, you know, it's like that was 2000 years ago. And then this guy developed some school after he, you know, kind of took over the kingdom or something. And then, you know, you find out that you have to like go into catacombs, get all Da Vinci code, Indiana Jones, uh, Crusaders, the lost Raider, whatever you got to do, you know, get call of Cthulhu in your D and D get some D and D in your call of Cthulhu Two great tastes that taste great together. Get that action movie montage going on of defeating traps. And, you know, maybe, you know, shuffle things along a little bit if you have to, or draw things out if you want to put some tension in, and of course, uh, when you get the tension going, break the tension with comedy or with horror. So, you know, that's my advice on how to use the Cabot Museum in D&D, Call of Cthulhu, Cyberpunk, Shadowrun, Boot Hill, Gamma World, Lord of the Rings. Tunes. <laughs> Tunes. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Uh... Oh man, uh, it's like uh, 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 no, that's a tabletop. Uh, oh no, uh, <laughs> uh, or or whatever you may like. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's yeah. You could even uh, go with my kind of favorite, which is always like multiverse spanning adventures in Dungeons and Dragons, and you know, in the early 90s yeah oh man yeah no i really liked gerps but uh early 90s i i've talked about this early 90s uh or i guess most of the 90s i played a lot of planescape so yeah if you don't know what planescape is look it up there's a video game about it that everyone loved called torment but yeah (laughs) and it's not plane escape it's not escape room set on a plane nope anyway so yeah dave i think uh I think that's it for this episode. Uh, I think that we've well covered the Cabot Museum as well as uh, I think it's time to say goodbye, Otis. Oh, you know what we're talking about next week? Oh, and Carcosa from 
The king in yellow. The king in yellow. Yeah. So we've got a double king in yellow. And then the week after that, uh, we're going to say, welcome back, Randolph Carter. We're going to do a whole episode on Randolph Carter. And then we've got another. Or as I call him, Randy. Yeah. Uh, I, call, oh yeah I call him Carter Man. Uh, then we've got another king in yellow episode where we've got Casilda and Castain are the topics of choice. So we're going to have to do some homework there, Dave. And I think we're going to have to get some really cool guests to talk about some stuff. We may have to uh, get a double booking of guests and maybe get Dominique Lama- uh, Lamacy's back on the show. So yes, uh, to, who is our, who is our hostar slash Batman expert. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So yeah, yeah. We'll have to get her back on the show. Uh, maybe I'll talk to Ken Height. Don't hold us to any of this. This is just kind of like last minute planning. So, all right. Well, everyone, uh, we'll see you next time. Dave, do you have any words of wisdom? No. Okay. Well, that's cool. We'll see you next time, everyone. Bye. Rate, review, subscribe, and all that other stuff podcasts ask you to do each week on podcasts you listen to. Uh, like us on social media, tell your friends about it, make your coworkers listen to it at work. Listen to us on your commute and say, hey, person next to me on the bus, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You're listening to KZOM. So I have a question. This is off. Thank you very much. It was a great show. So I have a question here that I think you'll understand. So you said that that your your original, I guess, puppet was made out of of rabbit bones. Yes. Do you still Uh, use bones? uh, I haven't made a puppet out of bones since then. But well, because that very original puppet was built by my friend Dave. Um, he found all the bones in in the woods in in England. Actually, it's a it's a very distinguished pedigree. Actually, yeah. I, if uh, like um, I can send you the, the, the reason why I asked is is we just lost two sheep, oh. which we we boned, uh, and my sister made a set of dice for me, and she's got this big oh, giant cool. horn. And we might have if you if you use bones, I might have some bones for you. Well, yeah, sheep bones might be kind of big. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know how that worked there. If you, you carved it like I, I didn't know. No, I mean, we have, we have bones. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't think I could use sheep. The rabbit bones are actually like, I mean, it's the whole skull, like. Oh, okay. I'll, I, I know, was thinking that you used like like the bones for like oh, wheels like for arms or something. Okay. No, no, like they're actually bones. Like it's a rabbit skull, like whole skull, and like you know. Oh, okay. Like his his arms are actually like you know rabbit arm bones like they're all like glued together. So so if you ever think that oh gee I wish I had some sheep bones let me know and if okay. you think it's creepy this conversation was never had.